This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Would you bet on a golfer to win the PGA Championship when he hasn't been in the top 20 for the last nine months? He's had no wins for more than two years. His last major win was in 2013 at the British Open. He's number 115 in the world. And on top of all that, he's 50 years old and a month shy from really being 51. More important than whether or not you'd bet on him, Phil Mickelson, at 50 years old, bet on himself, and he emerged the winner of the 2021 103rd USPGA title on the ocean course at Kiowa Island, South Carolina. He came in six under par with a two-stroke lead over his nearest competitors. This was his 44th PGA Tour win and his sixth major victory. And what did Phil Mickelson say about all of that? He said, I believed it was possible. So what are some of the accolades? In about 161 years of major championship golf, Phil Mickelson becomes the first player to win a major at 50 years old. The previous record holder was Julius Boros, who at 48 years old was the oldest player, and that was in 1968. And he's held that record until now with Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson is now one of about 14 golfers to win six majors. And in terms of his earnings, he's earned about $94 million on the tour, and he's second only to Tiger Woods in tour earnings. He still holds the record of being the last amateur to win a PGA Tour event. And he won that when he was still in college. He was a junior. He was 20 years old which is phenomenal. That makes him also the 10th player to win majors in three different decades. And now Phil Mickelson is ranked 33 in the world. Now I've been watching Phil play golf for many, many years, and I've seen him accomplish some great wins over those years and some colossal losses also. And in particular, he has often a lot of issues under pressure. And I remember I'd often say to my husband, as we were watching the game, I'd say, I think Phil needs a sports psychologist to help him work on his mental game. And of course, I have some friends and colleagues who are sports psychologists. Always felt like that would be the leading edge for him, that he needed that. So let's unpack a little bit 
what some of his winning strategies have been for this game and over this past year. And first of all, let me also just remind you that in this big win, during the game, one of his amazing shots was on the fifth hole. He was in a sand trap and he gets the ball out of the sand trap up onto the green, rolling towards the hole. And much to everyone's amazement, it went right into the hole straight from the sand trap. That was amazing. So there were some phenomenal shots along the way. How did he get there? What were his winning strategies? Number one, he had a lot of focus. So he was very focused on what he was doing. He said that this was maybe a breakthrough year for him. He was having some breakthroughs in his game and what worked and how he was playing. He made some changes in his equipment. He got different clubs, different drivers. And one of his golf partners who played with him a lot during the pandemic, a much younger player, Xander Shafley, he says that Phil Mickelson loves and studies the game. He's obsessive. He's passionate. He's always still learning. And Phil would say he put in the extra work. Another winning strategy was that on the last day of play, on the sixth hole after that, his caddy named Tim, who happens to be his brother, his caddy stopped him and sort of had a little coaching session with him. And he sort of read him the riot act. And he said to him, you know, Phil, if you're going to win this thing, you're going to have to make committed golf swings. And Phil said he realized after that that he had been playing too passively and he needed to step it up. So he stepped it up. When asked later what else he sacrificed in order to get to this success, he said he sacrificed food. He found out he had to eat less. He had to eat better, eat different. And Phil was really looking good out there at this this time when he was playing the game, I think he might have lost a couple of pounds as well. So he was taking really good care of himself. Now, I want you to note that though he won and he had a two-stroke lead, which is a lot in a sense in a major game, winning play is not equivalent to perfect play. So if we were to analyze his game, we would see he got some balls in sand traps. He was in the rough. He was in water. He had bogeys. You know, you can win with mistakes. And that's what Phil did. Even with mistakes, he won. Now, sometimes, even though Phil was quite a star, when he was in college and he won a number of championships and I already mentioned that he even won the PGA as an amateur. He was four times a college All-American even. In spite of that, sometimes I think of him a little bit too as a late bloomer because once he got on the professional tour, it would be 13 years before he won his first major. And you have to remember, that during those years, early on, he had fierce competitors, people like Tiger Woods. So finally, 
film won his first major at 33 years old. It was the Masters at Augusta. He got his first green jacket and he went on to get two more green jackets in 2006 and 2010. And as far as this late blooming, certainly to win a major at 50 years old when that hadn't been done before, that's a little bit of the late blooming as well. And especially when other people his age at 50 have transitioned frequently to the senior tour, which is euphemistically called the champions tour. And he's still competing with guys a lot younger than him. So what's next for Phil Mickelson? What's next is the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. And this is the tournament that has always eluded him. He's not been able to win the U.S. Open yet. Six times he's come in second place. If he wins at Torrey Pines this year, not only will he do it at an advanced age, and by that time he might even be 51. In addition, he would join an elite group of golfers who have achieved what's called the career grand slam. That means within their career, they have won all four of the majors. And those would be the U.S. Open, the U.S. PGA, the Masters, and the Open at St. Andrews in the U.K. So in Phil's case, the only one he's missing is the U.S. Open. He's won the others. If he wins at Torrey Pines, he will join Gene Sarazen, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods for achieving the career Grand Slam. And in fact, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, they actually have achieved this three times each in their career. So what's the business application of all of this that we're talking about and where Phil Mickelson is an example? As an executive, if you are in your senior years, remember, you have experience. You've been to many games. You've been to many playoffs. You've had wins. You've had losses. You know what works and you know what doesn't work. You have wisdom, both for yourself and also to share with others. So a few takeaway points to keep yourself sharp and on the cutting edge, if you will. Number one, perfect your mental game. Believe in yourself. Know that your continued winning is possible. The old saying is, seeing is believing. A more accurate saying is, believing is seeing. Because when you believe it yourself and you know it's possible, first you see your success and win in your mind's eye, and then you see it in real life as it happens and as it becomes a reality. So the mental game is primary. Number two, focus on your goal and your objective. Winning takes focus. 
So whatever business objective you have, whatever it is you want to achieve, focus on it. Adopt and maintain a quiet, positive concentration. There were other players on the golf course, including some that were right neck and neck with Phil Mickelson, who kind of lost that calm composure and maybe came from a place of negativity. When you want to succeed, whether it's on a golf course or in the workplace, bring the positive out because you're going to get, get more of what you emphasize and focus on. So concentrate on the positive. Remain calm and quiet inside. Number four, learn every day, even from those who are younger than you. And Phil was learning from Xander Shafley as he was playing from him. And he was also learning from his own mistakes. He didn't let those stop him. He analyzed those mistakes and learned from them. Five, get pre-game, mid-game, and post-game coaching. Now, I already mentioned how his brother, his caddy, coached him right there on the spot as he was playing. And great players know you got to have some coaching along the way in order to bring out the best in yourself. Sometimes you can't see everything about you that someone who's looking in from the outside will see and also observe. Number six, adjust your tools and equipment as needed. Depending on what the task is at work, what the goal and objective is, what's worked in the past may not work going forward. You might need to upgrade some of the tools that you're using, tools of the trade. Or as you become even more senior, what you used before may not work as well for you now. You might have to get new tools that fit your current status as well. Number seven, take care of your body. Your body is your instrument that you are using to be successful, whether you're playing sports or whether you're at work and you're having to give briefings to your team members and cascade that vision out. It's coming through your physical body. So you want to take care of you. So hopefully some of those lessons from Phil Mickelson will make sense in your journey as you are continuing in your executive leadership role, modeling what's possible, inspiring others, and achieving what you see and believe is possible. So today I want to close with a Bible verse that comes from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and it's about competing in a race, competing in some games. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 27 of 1 Corinthians 9. And it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but 
I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified to your success. You are the instrument of your leadership. And so I invite you to read a complimentary chapter of my book, Lead Yourself First, The Senior Leader's Guide to Engaging Your People for Greater Performance and Impact. And here's what you'll get from reading the book. You'll get some perspectives on how to leverage your unique gifts and superpowers Also, how to mine the gold of your past experiences overcoming challenges. And thirdly, you'll be able to identify the continual learning that will catapult you to your next victory. So, to read that complimentary chapter, go to my website, www.transleadership.com. Scroll down the homepage and click on the button that says, read a chapter. And I look forward to meeting you inside the book. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.